Welcome to Winning in the Workplace, the podcast where we help executives, managers, and frontline supervisors become great leaders by becoming more cohesive, aligned, and collaborative. Hello, everybody. I am your host, Maurice Velasquez. We are broadcasting this podcast live on Zoom, Facebook, YouTube, on Spotify, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter. Please visit me at my website at mauricetraining.com. And there you're going to find where to attend all of our Leadership Summit workshops around the country and how to book me for your speaking events, for your conferences, or for your teams. All right, let's dive in. We have a great show today. Last week, I was asked to speak to a hospital about what it takes for us to become more influential, more effective, and to grow at our current positions, regardless of our position, especially with the challenges that we have today in the marketplace. There were about 115 people in attendance, and we had a great discussion for about an hour. But don't worry, we paired it down to you guys for 23 minutes in this podcast. So I chose three tactics from our program that we cover the most, be it with executives, with middle managers, with frontline supervisors or frontline team members, because we tend to fall into these traps quite a good bit, all of us do. So here they are. Number one, it's what we call the six-second rule. It's the solution really to what most of the problems arise between personalities, all right? The six-second rule. The second one is what we call, yeah, but, and that's when we shoot ideas down really quickly. We hear an idea, we say, yeah, but, and then we wonder why we don't give each other buy-in and why there aren't there isn't much buy-in in meetings and projects or decisions and everyone's walking around giving their own opinion and differing opinions and we don't seem to get on the same page all right that's number two yeah but and the third one the go around and that's when we try to resolve issues we try to address problems we try to increase productivity and accountability but we go around each other rather than to each other all right, so the three of them are the six-second rule, yeah, but, and the go-around. So listen to this with your teams. Get your departments together. Make a lunch and learn out of this and discuss this podcast as a group on how you can work on these things together. All right, let's dive in. Let's listen in. The first one is the six-second rule. The scenario behind this, it's a challenge between extroverts and introverts. The extroverts who tend to be a little bit more dominant, more influential, Whereas the introverts are the folks that are a little more steady and conscientious. The, the challenge that exists between the extroverts and introverts is this. Extroverts like to talk in less than one second fractions. They like to banter back and forth, back and forth. Hey, what did you guys think about the idea with, of opening up a new clinic in the West Bank? You know, I said, well, you know, it, it might be a good idea because it's a faster banter. If it was a ping pong, it'd be a fast ping pong. If it was a tennis match, it'd be a faster tennis match back and forth. But the introverts don't like to banter like that. Introverts like to talk in terms of 19 seconds. And so whenever you ask an introvert a question, you have to realize the extrovert is approaching the question in a different style altogether than the introvert. See, the extrovert, they're creating banter so we can get to the point, so that we can figure it out, so that we can make the sausage together out loud, so we can brainstorm, so we can go all over the place and figure it out together out loud. The introvert does not like that approach. The introvert likes a much more methodical approach, a much more linear approach that basically says, you ask me a question, I'm going to process it, I'm going to think a few for a few seconds, and then I'm going to respond. Whenever silence happens, the extrovert interprets that as not safe. So therefore, they have to jump in and create banter. Okay, 
When the introvert hears silence and it's a genuine silence that says, okay, we can think through this, then they interpret silence to be safe. Okay. So they're both trying to get to the point, but the extrovert uses words to get to the point, whereas the introvert uses silence to think about the point. So to try to figure all this out in meetings and to try to figure out, okay, is that person an extrovert? Is this person? Okay. Who's saying it? And then memorizing or learning each other's styles. That takes a little longer to, to, to do. So what we've learned is we've simply tried to cut through all that and say, okay, look, let's agree that the one second is too fast. The 19 second is too slow. Why don't we just agree the six second rule? What we encourage extroverts to do is to create a little bit more of the silence gap. Whenever you ask a question, so, hey, y'all, what do y'all think about the clinic in the West Bank? Tell yourself, I'm going to wait six seconds. Now, that is difficult, y'all. Why? Let me show you what six seconds of silence sounds like. Y'all ready? See, most of us would have already jumped in. If we don't agree that we're going to use the six seconds of silence, that what happens is that the, the, the more extroverted individuals, they tend to dominate the conversation and then decisions are made. When the introverts really feel like, oh, you know what, I didn't even get word in edgewise. And then when it's time to implement and execute the decision, there's lack of buy-in. There's That's when a lot of people then speak up. because So the idea of creating six seconds is so as to create a, an environment in conversations, in emails, in texts, in hallway conversations where I, as an extrovert, I'm going to slow it down a little bit, but as an introvert, I'm going to speed it up, okay? So the introverts, what we encourage introverts to do is to jump in a lot faster and to realize that unless the vote is being called for, it, it, it should be okay to just give your opinion and change it. It's okay because that's what bantering is. In conversations, uh, there is a place in which bantering and high-level thinking is okay to change our minds. We don't have to have it completely accurate. And so there is a place for the, the, the introverts to jump in and just take a risk that, you know, I gave my opinion. Now, when data comes out, I'm going to probably change my opinion again. And that that's okay. That, that, that That's the whole thing. So just meet around the six to nine seconds. The other advice is that whenever it's time to say, okay, what do y'all think? I don't ask, what do y'all think? What I ask is, okay, introverts first, what do you think? And then I, then I even go as far as saying, okay, introverts first, what do you guys think? Extroverts, hold nine seconds. I, I did a workshop last week when we got to this party and we started practicing together. Within five seconds, a couple of the introverts that had not spoken very much, they jumped in and they created a fantastic conversation. And it was very steady, linear. And then the extroverts in the room jumped in. And so this six second rule is just fantastically effective, y'all. This next one is it's what we call the yeah, but. Here's what it looks like. One person is a, approaches another individual, and this could be through email, this could be through hallway conversation. It doesn't matter. There's the individual on the left, and that person has an idea or has a solution. And you can pretty much tell how that looks. It looks like somebody says, oh, you know what? Or they say, you know, I've been thinking about, or knock on the door, you say, hey, can I talk to you? Uh, you know, so that 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 right there is the mode of creating. I'm creating an idea. I'm creating, I want to run something by you. Okay. Well, the trap is, is that we shoot it down extremely fast. So that's the person on the right, the uh, no, or yeah, but 
In other words, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to quickly shoot it down, or I'm going to quickly refine it, or I'm going to quickly tell you why that can't work. And then the other person is like, uh, well, wait, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even finished telling you what I'm thinking. And so what happens is this. Let me, let me show you what that looks like. Somebody has an idea, okay? And what we're trying to do is to get to execute. Execute is the green at the bottom, the green check mark at the bottom. So what? just think about the many times you have an idea, what you're hoping is that the other person says, okay, that, that, seem, that sounds like a good idea. Tell me a little bit more about it. In other words, what we want, what we hope that the other individual does is that they acknowledge the idea or the solution and it doesn't get shot down within seconds. First of all, it took me like six weeks courage to come talk to you about it and you killed it in less than three seconds. And I wasn't even finished, okay? So we know that we do this to each other. We want other people to give my idea a chance. But the other person, what they do is they quickly go to the negative. They either shoot it down and tell me why it's not possible, or what's oftentimes done is the other person hears it and says, ooh, but you know what? Let me, let me, let me up that. Let me tell you what I think ought to be done. And it's like, wait, I just brought you my thoughts, and now you're going to take it, and you're going to add to it and take go in a totally different direction. And what happens is this. I gave you my idea. You went negative on me, and then I'm going to have to try to go back to being positive about it, and you're going to go negative, so we're going to go back and forth, 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 back and forth. And this is why decisions take so long, because we've all jumped in and participated in this dance that's not helping is get anywhere near closer to execution because we're not listening to each other. Okay. So the responsibility of it is for somebody to say, okay, I'm going to go first. I'm going to listen to you. Okay. And then I'm going to repeat it back to you. And then I'm going to ask you if you feel that I heard you. And not until you tell me, yes, Maurice, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Now I've reached there. Now it's the time that I can ask you, can I refine it? If I don't get a confirmation from the person that I've understood, then hold your opinion. Let me give you an example of uh, Chandler and Monica in Friends, where Rachel is now no longer living with them. And so her room's going to be available. And Monica says, hey, I have an idea and I would like to do something with this room. You know, when you move in, Rachel's room's going to be empty. You want to talk about what we want to do with it? Sure. Okay. I was thinking we should have a beautiful guest room, right? With um, a mahogany sleigh bed and bedside tables with flowers on it all the time. And then we can have like a roll top desk with little comment cards so people can tell us how much they love staying here. <laughs> See, look, look, look at the face, okay? Look at Chandler's face, okay? You can tell it's clear. We do that to each other. Facial expressions, the idea is like, ah. See, it's clear that Monica is now in creation mode, okay? And she said it very clearly. I've been thinking about it, okay? And she felt that that moment is the right time to do it. That's usually the problem. We catch each other at the wrong moment. But anyway, but she said, hey, look, I, I, here's what I want to do with it. And of course, he is clearly refining the idea. All right, so let's see what, so let's see what he says and let's see what he does, all right? Hey, whatever, you know, I really haven't thought about it that much. Well, I like that idea. Okay, so you notice he says, I, "I like that idea." He's trying. He's trying to validate it. He, he's trying to. He's trying to be positive, but quickly, immediately, he does what? Obviously. <laughs> but I was thinking maybe, maybe, maybe it could be a, a game room. You know, I mean, you can buy old arcade games. Like See, he is now clearly refining the idea. Yeah, let's take a look at what happens. Like, uh, like Space Invaders and Asteroids for two hundred dollars. The real ones, the big, big, big ones. No. 
Okay. He is now creating his idea on top of hers, and you guys can bet what's going to happen. She's going to return the favor, and she's going to kill his idea, which is what we do to each other in business all the time. So let's see what happens. Okay. See me no is in G Chandler. What an interesting idea. Let's discuss it before we reject it completely. Oh. See, so he's asking, I, I really would like for you to advance it and then shoot it down. So she realizes, okay, you know what? I didn't do this correctly. I, so she tries again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, interesting idea. Um, talk about it, but no. <laughs> so that's it. Let me break this out for you guys and, sh and show you the model. The model is what we call the CARE model. Okay, it's up there on the top left corner, the CARE model, and it stands for something. Let me show it to you. First phase of conversations, some, somebody's creating an idea, then the advancing phase, okay, then the refining phase, and then the execution phase. We all bring to the table different styles. The different styles are basically these. There's a lot of folks that just like to go from one to four. In other words, I like to create, I like to execute, and before we execute, I like to kind of ask, what do y'all think? But it's clearly, it's clearly something that you want done because you're being very loaded about your approach. Okay, that's that's style number one. It's a one to four style. The second style basically says, uh, style number one, one to four is a little bit too rough. So other personalities tend to use this style, a one, two, four approach. In other words, it's that that's the more of the charmer, the, the more of the enthusiast. Okay. I tend to be this way. I tend to come to you and say, Hey, I want to run something by you. Uh, and I get really excited. And my goal is to get you to be on the positive side of things. Okay. I don't want you to go to the negative. So I will keep the conversation on the positive side of the dialogue, because I really don't like my ideas being refined and I don't want you to kill it. So I've gotten really good in my history, in my life of just having good conversations at a positive level, get you to be positive. And then I say, well, so you like it? And then you tell me that, yeah, you like it because you're being positive. And then I say, well, great, let's go ahead and do it. That's style number two. Okay. So style number two is one two, four. Style number three, yeah, you guessed it. It's a one, three approach. It's the one that says, I hear what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Let, let me, uh, let me think about it. Yeah. Okay. So let me think about it. And then, and then I just start asking questions and then questions and then questions and then questions and then spreadsheet and then data and spreadsheet. And after a while, it's it, it's like, I can't seem to get you out of refining. And and some folks are a little more harder than others or harsher than others in their refining. Some folks just simply say no, that, but, you know, or so others are a little more gracious about it. It doesn't matter. The, the third style is one that basically stays in refining for a long period of time. I may or may not give you my opinion, but I'm going to challenge it. What about this? 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 Or I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm still waiting on this. I'm still waiting on that. And so this that style tends to over-refine, refine and over-refine. All right. The final style is one where you just make the decision and announce it later when you get caught that you made a decision without the team. One time I told my wife, it was around Thursday, I said, sweetie, I really think we need to paint the porch uh, in the whole fence area. I really think we need to do it. It's gotten really bad and yada, yada. And so I'm selling her on the idea that we need to paint the house. We need to paint the outside of the house, the porch area. 
the backyard area. And she looked at me, of course, we'd already been married about six years. So she knew my style very well. She looked at me and she said, you've already bought the paint, didn't you? I said, well, yeah, and they're coming Saturday. Okay. That's that style. That's the style that basically says, I made a decision. I'm just trying to now kind of sell it. The problem is, is that we all have one of those styles. Our personalities gravitate toward one style or the other. Sadly, none of our personalities are naturally driven to how it ought to be. So how should it be? Let me show it to you here. It should be like this, is to go the route of care, C-A-R-E, go one, two, three, four. So you first go through advancing asking questions, and then you confirm with the person that, yes, you understood, then you do not go to refine nor execute until you have confirmed with the person. So do you think I heard you? Yeah, I think you heard me. Okay, can I refine it now? The other person has to be willing to go to refine. Why? Because we're not finished yet, okay? And we can't just go to execute. We got to refine this thing, okay? So now you've given me permission to go to refine. And in refine is where I get to challenge the idea a little bit more pointed, asking tougher questions with my version of it or with data or with research or with opinion. But I but we spent a season advancing and then now we're spending a season of refining. And then as we talk and have that conversation, we need to move into execute. The keys to the kingdom is that when others are creating, advance them. When you advance them, you ask clarifying questions. In clarifying questions, what you're trying to do is you're honestly trying to seek to understand. And if I can give you all a little bit of a tactic here, the more you ask clarifying questions, the person should feel that they're not being attacked. So you're helping them brainstorm through the idea. And it's incredible how many times that person realizes, well, you know, that's not a good idea. Huh? You know what? Never mind. And look, you never gave your opinion, but you listened, you participated. I didn't give you silence. I didn't stare. I didn't shoot it down. I asked you questions and I helped you talk through it. And I even helped you talk you out of it, but I wasn't trying to talk you out of it. I was just asking clarifying questions. So I would say easily 30 to 40% of the ideas that come to me, whenever I use this approach, the person either retracts it or they say, you know what, let me think about that later. And sure enough, I wasn't the bad guy and I wasn't the one that shot you down. Before you move to refine, confirm with the person, hey, do you feel that I asked good clarifying questions? Do you feel that I shut you down? No, 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 you didn't. I said, okay, you feel that I advanced you? Okay, good. And then you ask, can we move to refine? Then when you move to refine, then you refine together and you invite the person, well, let's shoot it down. Let's talk about it. So when asking feedback from others, here's the trap, you guys, that whenever we ask feedback from another, we tend to say is, so what do you think? Okay, so now it's an open-ended. So instead of asking, what do you think? What we recommend asking is, hey, what do you think? Can we talk about the pros first, then then the negatives? You're not just asking for open-ended question because if that person is a refiner and they go to refine and they've never heard this workshop before, then you can't get upset that they refined on you because you asked an open-ended question. What do you think? So we train ourselves to simply say that whenever you're asking for somebody's opinion about your idea, that what you should ask is, what do you think the positives of this are? And then let's shoot it down with all the negatives. Is that okay? Yeah, okay, good. Give me your positives. And that way the person says, oh, he only wants my positives right now. You're trying to be influential. You're trying to be help in, in creating a good conversation. This has been a very powerful technique. Let's go to the third one. This is what's called the go around. The example I'm going to show you here, it's at the partners, at the executive level, but it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter where it starts 
because this is just one of many scenarios. What, what I'm asking you to pick up on the fact is that when you see that the going around is happening, that you don't participate in it as this example. A partner or a C-level person uh, talks to the IT department about a module that they're going to change in the front desk software. And so they talk about it and they agree, yeah, we need to get that done. And then that C person goes and talks to a supervisor here in this department. This person's kind of wondering, hmm, I wonder, I wonder why they're going to do that. So I just happened to mention it to this team member over here in intake in another department. And this person's like, what? what, 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 what? I, got, I need to write about my manager. And the manager's like, you know what? I, I, that's, don't worry about that. I don't want to talk about it. And then that, that supervisor's going, no, but that's going to be a problem. But wait, I always see Henry at the cafeteria. I'm going to mention it to Henry, okay? And Henry's like, what? What are you talking about? That's not supposed to be done for another three months. And then partner one talks to Lori, partner two, and they're like, not even talking, because they're not in really good talking terms. And then partner two then goes and talks to the front desk and says, hey, heads up. This is going to happen. And front desk is going, what are you talking about? Why are we going to do that? That's not what I asked for. And the IT department goes ahead and implements it. And the front desk basically says, so couldn't somebody just have told me this? Does this sound familiar? Do y'all say, does this happen? We all went around. See, notice in that scenario, we all went around each other, okay? And it's usually what's called triangulation. You notice there's triangles being created. The one style that we tend to avoid more than anything is the style of a direct conversation. The keys of the kingdom, number one, is go to the person that's responsible. If we agreed that the project is supposed to be in motion and I have a disagreement, I have a concern with that project, don't go talk to everybody else about it. Go talk to the project leader. Go talk to the department responsible. Go talk to the person responsible. If you're wanting to hold somebody accountable for what they're doing and you go to that person, that's the number one rule is go to the person in a direct manner. If that person does not respond to you. In other words, they don't answer to you. That's where you got to be careful because you probably are going to go diagonal and you're going to cross boundaries, whereas you really should probably go to somebody else. So before you go and create those conversations, think about the chain of command and say, well, who should go talk to that person? We need to go directly to the person responsible or to their supervisor. Are you trying to avoid conflict? And look, if you are, kudos. Everyone who's trying to avoid conflict is doing a healthy thing. It's just that if we avoid conflict and not replace it with a more direct approach, the avoidance of conflict becomes conflict. Remember that by going around, you're definitely creating conflict and your influence will drop. What about a leader who lacks the sound of their own voice? How can one manage up? Uh, great question. The best way to manage up would be, of course, yourself be humble. Okay. Yourself be humble. Um, I would say have them watch this video and perhaps say, hey, I went to this, this, this lunch and learn and we learned some really cool stuff and let Maurice in that video be the one that says it. Let's say that you did do that and it continues, okay? Then that's when you would need to take the boldness and the courage, be humble and say, hey, can I talk to you about this? I really, I think we're practicing this well. I think you're practicing more, but would you mind perhaps extending yours to 12 seconds? Instead of telling somebody, look, you like the sound of your voice, those are very hard judgment statements. Just simply ask the other person, would you mind if you could perhaps use more 12 seconds? Because it feels like you're jumping still a little too early into the thought and the conversation. And, 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 and it feels like you're taking up a lot of the room. Uh, you made your statement, you're humble about it. And the person probably just needs to make it their idea. 
Okay. And, and, and I'm sorry to say, look, we all suffer from it. I suffer from it. The more we grow in leadership positions and we grow up the chain of command and we get up to the higher positions in the company, we do have, we then we do tend to pick up on that bad habit that it needs to be my own idea. So I hear what you're saying, but I don't know. And then it's got to become your idea. So don't, don't, don't arm wrestle. You said it, you make your statement, be humble about it, be collaborative about it, let them, let them sit on it. And then hopefully, you know, they'll they'll make it their idea. Do you Good. have any other tips to get extroverts to take a step back to give introverts the space to speak? Yeah, uh, we take a good bit amount of time practicing. All right, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's practice. And we pair up extrovert with introvert and they practice. And it's hilarious. It's really hard to create that silence, you know, ask a question and internally tell yourself two, three. First thing is to count. The second thing is this, it's to watch out for your intensity. So I was coaching a, a client. He was, we're having breakfast and we're having really good bantering. And he was much more introvert than I was. And then he reached over to me and he grabbed me right here. And what he used a, was a pretend button. And he did this. Okay. And I caught exactly what he was saying. I was like, you want me to tone it down, don't you? He says, yeah, just, just, just just a little bit. And then I brought my intensity down and made it a much more calmer conversation. And that was probably the first time where somebody had done that to me and really hit me with the skill of, whoa, this works. Extroverts have to just bring down their, their intensity, create the silence. And just those two things together, create a much more linear, calm conversation for others to jump in. That should keep extroverts busy for at least three months. Come back and let's do step tactic number three. All right. It's been a great show. Remember, our podcast is every Friday at 8.15 Central. We have a great lineup of guests coming up. Next week, we have Gordy Rush from Guarantee Media. Uh, in the next few weeks, we also have Henry Hayes to discuss with me about disruptive leadership. Uh, then we're going to have one of the most dynamic individuals, very influential in my life. I've known him my whole professional career career. His name is Rick Brownrig, and he's going to talk to us about blockchain and also about engineering leadership. Then we have Paige Gagliano, an incredibly talented theater director. She's now a motivational speaker, and she helps companies use theater and acting skills and exercises on how to help teams become more professional, more connected, and more productive. Then we have Dan Gray, a CEO in the theater industry, then Jim Nally, and a host more. So you can see the whole lineup at our website at winningintheworkplacepodcast.com. One big long word, winningintheworkplacepodcast.com. And if you want to be a guest on my show, go to that same link and fill out the guest form. I would love to have you on the show. All right, so remember, great leadership is about showing a united front, a united voice, being on the same page as a cohesive team. Alignment is the essence of leadership and doing it correctly is how you and your team can win in the workplace. See you guys next week.